If you have a Bible this morning, open it to Colossians chapter 3. It's way to the right side of your Bible. Uh, it makes up the, one of the 66 books that we have in our, that makes up our Bible. Uh, today we're continuing our study on the, on the book of Colossians. This is actually a letter that was written to a church in Colossae. Uh, Paul is writing to this church to correct some errors and to just encourage them that Christ is all that they need. Um, if this is your first time here and if, if you've missed one of these sermons on this series, I would encourage you to go look at those um, on our website because uh, everything that Paul has already written that we've talked about kind of builds to this moment. It builds to chapter 3. There's actually a shift in what Paul is talking about. He's, so he's talking about Christ and how he is supreme and sufficient, but now he's going to take the shift of what Christ has done into what we should do. So take a look at that if you haven't, um, if, or if you missed anything. So uh, would you stand with me, actually, as we pray? As Corey mentioned, uh, Pastor Corey said, let's be excited. Let's be ready for God to speak to us through his word. God, I invite you to, to speak to us today through your word that we would have a deeper understanding of you and what you have for us. I pray you would speak through me, that this would not just be my thoughts or ideas, but let it be you speaking through your word, God. We thank you. We pray that we would be changed by your spirit. We love you. Amen. Amen. All right, as you find your seat, give someone a high five. You thought you'd get away from those high fives with Kyle not speaking, but gotcha. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, how many of you have lived in a town less than 500 people? Wow, actually a lot more than I thought was going to happen. So I, I grew up in a town called Floodwood, Minnesota. And uh, do you, who knows where that is? Wow. I don't even say Floodwood anymore. I say Duluth because it's west of Duluth. And everybody's like, where's Floodwood? So, um, I like to say it's up in the woods because there's a lot of woods there. That's where I grew up. Um, if you thought Sox Center or Long Prairie is small, I graduated with a class of 28 people. Um, so small, and I think the last class there was like 17 or something uh, this last year. So, and I really moved to the big city when I came to Sox Center. <laughs> it was like, oh, there's a Walmart. <laughs> Like, our closest Walmart was an hour away. Like, you planned your groceries. You planned, okay, we're going to stock up for the month, you know. Take our horse and buggy and get there. Okay. And, and we have a Taco Bell now, too. That's cool. cool. All right. And like I said, I didn't even grow up in, this, in the city of Florida. I grew up out in the country. We had, like, 90 acres, and my grandma has, like, 800 acres or something like that. So we... So we uh, explored the woods by the river with my two brothers, and we were always outside, we were camping, we were, just, we were always just doing stuff. We visited the farm with my grandma and grandpa. Um, so after high school, I went to college at North Central University. Actually, you've probably heard that before, Pastor Kyle, Pastor Corey and his wife, everyone on our staff has attended North Central University. Um, it's a Christian university uh, down in Minneapolis. And I stayed there a year and a half studying music and the Bible, because it is a Bible college. During that time, I met my wife, Chelsea, there. And after three semesters there, I decided to transfer out. I went to a college in Duluth called uh, Lake Superior College. I was going to be a physical therapist assistant, which I actually did for seven years before becoming a pastor. 
because I, I thought I, I would never do music for a living and certainly never be a pastor. And here we are <laughs> on stage. So uh, Chelsea and I graduated the same year and we got, after we got married, we enjoyed camping, hiking, um, just being outside, kind of the same things we liked when we were uh, not married. And this last year we decided this, um, that we really wanted to get into backpacking some more and just being outside, hiking, uh, enjoying God's creation. We, we just love that. And we took, uh, we decided it was a hobby worth investing in. And we took our first trip this last year, actually, that, like a real one where we had good gear, where our bodies didn't hurt so much. And uh, it was super fun. I actually have a picture of that here of us hiking. We actually went back up north to Duluth and did the Superior Hiking Trail. Um, growing up in Minnesota, it's a super easy trail because you kind of know what to expect. You know the train, you know everything. But it was just super fun to spend time with her and that. Uh, one thing about backpacking, though, is it's kind of gross. I'll tell you why. It's, you don't bring extra clothes. So, because it just wastes too much. You carry everything on your, on your back, and you're hiking for miles, and turn to your neighbor and say, that is kind of gross, isn't it? Yeah. So, you bring your hiking clothes, your sleeping clothes, and layers if it gets cold or hot or whatever. So, and this, this trip I went against my better judgment and I didn't bring extra socks. And some hikers say you don't need extra socks. They're like, oh, it's fine. But um, the best thing to do is carry extra socks. You tie them to the back of your backpack so they dry as you're wearing the other pair. Then when you stop for breaks, you switch them out and you tie the other pair to the back of your backpack. And yeah, kind of gross, right? Again. <laughs> It's, it's strange that we even enjoy this thing. It's like, hey, do you want to be miserable for a week? Yeah, let's go hiking. <laughs> but, and it's strange I didn't bring an extra pair of socks because according to Chelsea, I have, I have a sock hoarding problem. And yeah, here's my story and my marital problems all at once. Like, you get the whole thing today. No. <laughs> so we had a conversation about this and it, I, it drives her insane and she kept asking, but why do you need so many socks? And actually, I have a picture of my sock drawer here. You're going to get a look into my dresser here. Okay, so just one drawer, just socks. So I got my brown dress socks. I got my black dress socks. I got my Star Wars socks. Yes, that's a category. And then my wool socks, my black short socks, and my white short socks. So we got socks. And as I'm telling you this, I'm realizing, I'm realizing I might actually have a problem. So, uh, Surprisingly, though, this doesn't include my hiking socks, so those are downstairs in the basement. Okay. Uh, but do you know when socks are the best? Okay, this is a lot about socks, but we're getting somewhere, I promise. Socks are the best when they're right out of the package. Like, even better than the dryer. Like, I even told someone one time, I was like, if I was rich, I wouldn't even wash my socks. I would throw them away and buy new socks. <laughs> so I put them on my dresser. But you don't fold them all, you take them out of the package as you use them. Yeah. So I think this sock like problem actually happened when I moved to Sock Center. Oh man. You thought you were getting away from those, huh? That was a bad joke. That was really bad. Any anyway, one of the one of the best feelings about hiking, so back to hiking, um, is when you stop for a break, 
you take off your boots, you take off your socks to prevent blisters, and um, just taking them off, you're like, oh, this feels so good to just air out the feet. You take off the socks you've been wearing for miles and days, actually, especially when you don't bring extras. But when you don't bring extra socks, you have to, you have to put those socks back on, which is just another, ah, okay. But, ever, but a better feeling than taking breaks throughout the hike is, is actually getting back to your car and taking off all, all your sweaty clothes that you that you're wearing all week and, and socks and putting on fresh, clean socks. As much as I love hiking, like that, it's amazing. It just, it's so, it feels awesome. Okay, that, that's enough about my socks, okay? <laughs> maybe a little too much. Um, like I said, I'm new at this. Maybe I share too much. Okay. Uh, in chapter three of Colossians, Paul uses imagery of, talking off, of taking off the old and putting on the new. And, clothe, and to clothe ourselves in the fresh, downy-scented, awesome life that God has for us. I'm pretty sure he wrote that in there. But Paul walks us through not only why, but what it looks like to live a different life with Jesus. The heading in my Bible actually reads, Living as those made alive in Christ. Some Bibles actually title it, The New Humanity. So it starts with, like this in verse 1, chapter 3. Follow along in your Bibles. Otherwise, it's going to be on the screen as well. It says, Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and, the life is, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also will appear with him in glory. When Paul says since then, he's actually referencing everything he just wrote about, like we kind of talked about chapters 1 and 2 um, in the first couple of chapters. But then he summarizes with, you have been raised with Christ, and bringing it up in a more specific way, now moving on into this chapter. Then he tells us, set your hearts, set your minds on things above, on Jesus, not earthly things. So he's telling us to think differently. He even talks about this in another letter called Romans, and he wrote, let God transform your life by changing the way you think. But he's not asking us to think on, one day I'll be with Jesus and everything will be better. He's, not, he's actually not using that language here, although like, that's not a bad thing to think and whatever. But he's rather asking us to think differently in this way. Jesus rules from heaven. My life is in Jesus now, that I'm saved, that I'm a Christian, so live in the present on earth as the kind of person I will one day become when Christ returns. And just as Paul starts this section, kind of talking about this, uh, about the idea of this new life, he actually concludes this section in the same way. In verse 17, he says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In this verse, we can actually read the phrase uh, that he used here in the name as in the character or the reputation of Jesus. Do it like Jesus would do it. That's pretty much what he's saying here. And I also want to focus on the first few words. Whatever you do. Some of us are called into specific jobs like doctors, teachers, therapists. Others are called into ministry to be missionaries. But... Listen, listen to this. All of us are called to follow him. 
Paul is almost saying here, maybe you're not called to something specific. So whatever you do, whatever, whatever you decide to do, do it like Jesus would do it. What if everything you decided to do, you did it the way Jesus wanted you to? The way that you teach in a classroom, the way you care for patients, check people out at a register, serve people at a restaurant, the way you raise your kids, the way you love your spouse and your neighbors around you. What about even the small things like taking out the trash and cleaning up the yard? What if we did it like Jesus would do it? Like, we would, we would live a different life if we had that on our minds all the time. Uh, of, of course, this, this sounds really great in theory. Um, how can we even do that? I can't possibly do everything like Jesus would do it. I can't even get out of the house without yelling at my kids, get your shoes on, we're going. Let's, come on, let's go. Why are your socks on your hands? Like, I, again, I wish I was joking about that. That happens. Isla comes around the corner, her socks are on her hands, and okay. How many know what I'm talking about, though? Like, there are things in our, not about the socks, about real life, <laughs> but there are things in our life that are just, like, how do I do it like Jesus? I, there are certain areas that are just hard to live that, out that way. So Paul goes on to describe this new humanity, what it should look like, and how to do it. Remember, this isn't us trying harder, though, from verse 1. This isn't us, well, I'm not doing very well, let me try a little harder. This is us living out um, what Jesus already has for us. It's Jesus working in our lives. So let's pick it up in verse 5, and he, he continues with this idea. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such, of these, such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. So in this verse, Paul uses a lot of replacing language. Actually, look at this. I have some things highlighted in these verses here. Uh, put to death. You used to. You once lived. But now. Uh, take off your old self. Put on the new self. When I get back from a hiking trip, like I, I, don't, I take off my old socks and I put on these fresh new socks and it feels amazing. It just, it'll change your life when you do that. It, it will. Uh, but I don't ever think about digging back in my old laundry bag, like, where are those sweaty socks? Man, I just want to put those back on. Like, that's kind of the imagery that he's using here. We have this amazing life that is Jesus and the new life that he has given us, but sometimes we choose to go back to that nasty old way of living. Like, we felt that tension, right? Like, I still do sometimes. I'm not just saying, like, us as a church, but, like, me too, like, I want to do whatever for me, not for God. Like verse 17 is like, do whatever for God. I'm like, I want to do whatever for me. Why do I have this warped and twisted view of my life before Jesus that it was somehow better? Paul's writing this letter to people that know who Jesus is. He's not even writing to, um, to people that don't know Jesus. He's writing to a church. They are struggling. 
They think the life that they had before is better than the one that Jesus offers. And there's a reason that Paul says to put the old life to death. Like, don't even put those socks in the washer. Light them on fire and throw them out the window. Like, that's what he's saying just for us to do. So we can't come back around to it. Not only are we to put the old life to death, but we're to put on a new life. And we choose to put on this new life. He continues with verse 11 in this section, and he says, um, and this, this verse is filled with all sorts of great stuff. We actually aren't going to take time on it today. Um, but it's filled with this awesome language of there are no barriers for Jesus. And we'll actually be talking about that verse a lot more next week. Pastor Kyle's going to touch on that. So we're going to move on to verse 12. Paul actually lays out a strategy for us to take off the old and put on the new. So this is the answer to the question, like, how do we do that? How do I live every day for Christ, doing everything like he would do it? So there's actually five parts of Paul's strategy we find in verses 12 through 16. If you're taking notes, write these down. Um, they're laid out nice. So the, number one, imitate Christ's compassionate, forgiving attitude. Verse 12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And here's more of that clothing metaphor and language with clothing yourself with these things. Like, put on your compassion, your forgiveness socks this morning. <laughs> Jesus was kind, he was humble, he was gentle and patient. There are many times in the Gospels where Jesus was moved with compassion and he healed someone or he stayed with them and taught them longer. He was patient with his disciples, the people that followed him closest when they just didn't get it. He also, Paul also reminds us to forgive as Jesus forgives us. Jesus forgives everything we have ever done, future present, past, and we actually don't have time to get into like forgiveness, and, um, but it's, forgiveness is central to being a Christian, and learning how to do this is important, and it will change the way you live your life. I know Pastor Kyle actually preached on this topic of forgiveness during our Stuck series, so like, if that's something you want to dive into, if, that, if that's something that piques your interest, go on our website, find that, watch that. If you need help finding it, let, us, let one of the pastors know. We'll be so happy to help you. So imitate Christ's compassionate, forgiving attitude. That was number one. Number two, let love guide your life. Verse 14, and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So all these things, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience can be done for selfish gain, like to move up in life, for people to view you the right way. Um, but we're supposed to do these things out of genuine love for others. In 1 Corinthians, Paul also writes another letter to another church, and that chapter, chapter 13 is commonly used for weddings and stuff, um, but it was actually a chapter that was meant to show us what authentic love looks like for all of us, not just, not just to be married. So I want to choose to put off selfishness and put on love for others. So let love guide your life. That was number two. Number three, 
let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Verse 15 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. The word Paul here uses here for rule is actually an athletic term. He he tells us to to let Christ's peace be an umpire or referee in our hearts that kind of guides our life. Our hearts are the center of conflict because there our feelings and desires clash. Like our hopes and our fears, our distrust and trust, the jealousy, our jealousy and love. But we can let the peace of Christ direct us in these things. There's that tension again in our hearts. Like we, we want our old life, um, but we have this new life in, our, in Christ. So we choose to put on the peace of Christ and let it rule. So that's number three. Number four is be thankful. And I actually really like how Paul adds this short little sentence at the end of 15 here. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you are called to peace. And it almost feels like he's frustrated with this last little piece. He's like, oh yeah, and be thankful. Gosh. And maybe that's not what he meant, but that's how me and Pastor Corey read it when we were uh, when he was helping me put this together. But as we, as we choose to be thankful, as we choose to put on gratitude and thankfulness in our life, this helps align our perspective on Jesus. We don't constantly assess what we have and what we don't have and what others have compared to us. Instead, we are, we are filled with gratitude. That brings us to worship God. That's number four. Be thankful. Lastly, the way that we choose to put on this new life that Jesus has for us and live for him each day is keep God's word in you at all times. Number 16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Paul writes, let the message of Jesus, the good news that Jesus is everything we need, let it dwell, meaning let it live inside of you. Let it be active in your life. But not just a little, little. let it dwell with you richly, abundantly. In order for that to happen, we need to make time to really know Jesus and his word. We actually talked about this a month ago with our Win the Day series, and here we mapped out this, like an actual practical strategy to like how do I have a disciplined time with God and how do I really get to know him. Um, so take a look at that. Super helpful um, as you look at that. But almost just as important as having a plan to, to know God and get in his word, he continues, as you teach and admonish one another. One another. I think that's super powerful super important. We can't be doing life on our own. We need a friend, a life group member, a pastor, uh, just to learn together. Someone that can be honest with you, encourages you, and does it alongside of you. Who do you have in your life that's walking with you, that is teaching you and encouraging you, who knows where you are and where you need to go, and actually how to get there too? I think this is really important. Um, even with, with hiking, when you're hiking with someone, you, you tend to enjoy the view a little more and not, uh, not get stuck on the hills and get stuck on 
my back is hurting. Because somebody's with you, you're enjoying the journey together. And music team, you can come at this time. Uh, would you actually stand with me all over this place? Everything that Paul has written so far, from verses 1 through 16, about the taking off and, and putting on, it leads up to verse 17. It leads up, and this, this we, we talked about already, we, I mentioned before, and it's kind of the end goal of this section, the, the section titled, Living as Those Made Alive in Christ. Verse 17 says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the end goal, but it's something that I cannot accomplish on my own. But because of what God has done, I can choose each day to live this refreshing, amazing life that Jesus has for me and not go back to putting on my dirty, old, smelly, hiking sock of a life. There's a slight chance this message comes across as go and do better because you're just, you're just not quite doing it right. But it's just, that's not the case. Remember that Paul wrote, because you have been raised with Christ, it all starts with Jesus. It all starts with his forgiveness in our life. Since we've been forgiven, since Jesus is supreme, since he is sufficient, we can now live out this new life that he has for us. And I think there's a couple ways for us to respond to this this morning. I always like to ask myself, what am I going to do with this? And one way is, what is, what is that sock that I'm going back to in my life? What is that thing that I keep wondering, well, maybe that's better than Jesus? I'm exempt from that. I think there are things in my life that I go back to and I'm, every time I read this passage, I'm just like, have I become selfish in my ambitions? Have I, have I started living for myself? So if, if that's you this morning, if there's something that you just want to say, yeah, that's me. I want to put off the old. I want to put on the new. Would you just raise your hand with me and just say, I want more of God. Let's pray together. God, I pray for those that feel a need to take off the old life and clothe themselves for what you have for them. That it wouldn't be out of guilt or pressure just to do better, but a love for you and living out the life you have for us. God, would you become all that we want? We would easily put this world aside. The other way we can respond today is we always want to make opportunity for those that don't know Jesus just to respond to his message of love that he he died for you he loves you he cares about you this is what living for him comes out of is believing in him so with every eye closed just for a moment of privacy and reflection who would say I want to do that today I want to follow Jesus for the first time would you raise your hand this morning just as a just as a symbol of What's ever happening on the inside? I'm just responding outwardly to what that happened, to what's going on.
just gonna say a prayer together just so we have this opportunity. And these are special words. This is a hard thing. We say this every week, but we truly mean it. And if, if you pray this this morning, even if you didn't raise your hand, you, you can accept God into your life for the first time. So let's pray, God, thank you for sending Jesus that I can take off my old life and put on a new life. Forgive me of my sins and change my life. Amen. Let's put our hands together if someone has done that. Just to celebrate the new life we have in Jesus. If you, if you did that this morning, we want to know about it because we want to help you. We want to celebrate with you this morning. So just grab a connect card. Check, I want to follow Jesus for the first time and we'll reach out to you and just guide you through that process. And as you leave this place today, may you choose the new life Jesus intended for you that each day you would choose to take off the old and replace it with the new, doing everything for him. Thank you for coming today. You're dismissed.